Good evening. How's everybody tonight? Good. Good to see you. Glad you're here. God is good. Amen. Amen. Well, let's just bless him right now. Lord, we bless you. We honor you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. You alone are worthy, O Lord, risen Savior, risen King. You are the living one, the eternal God. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for your life, for your blood that you shed, that you are our Redeemer. You are my Savior, my Lord, the Master of my life, Lord. That more and more I can give myself and yield myself to you in obedience. That I can hear more and more of your voice. That I could be directed by you in all ways and in all things. I give you all the praise, Lord. You're worthy of all adoration and honor. I worship you this day and all days, Lord. That I don't just lift my voice, but I lift my heart to you and I bow in my life before you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness and for your grace and for all that you are. Lord, we come before you this evening to hear your word, be taught of your spirit, that we would be able to conform more and more to the image of Jesus, that your anointing comes on your word, that there'll be an impartation of revelation into our heart, that the power of hell cannot stand against it. And Lord, I thank you that as your word comes alive inside of us, that we'll move in that direction in our life and that we will see results because your word does not return to you void, but it does accomplish what it was sent to do. I thank you, Lord, that you're more than enough in all things, that you are the all-sufficient one, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, our all in all and our everything. We bless you and praise you and give you all the glory this day as all days. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Welcome to everyone on live stream. We're glad that you're here this evening. Praise God. What a great opportunity, you know, to have live stream that people can connect from all over and still hear the word of God and receive from the word of God. Amen. And the same anointing that comes from the word in this room goes out through that camera because it's not about time or space. It's about heart condition. Amen. Hallelujah. Open with me this evening to Ephesians chapter 6. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. It says, In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Yeah, I like the King James Version, the, the fiery darts. There's something about fiery darts that I like. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I read that verse, and we know that he's talking to believers. Is that right? So if we are to live by faith, but that doesn't go beyond the new birth, it's only about faith for the new birth, then why are we to develop a shield of faith? Why do we need a shield as protection? If we're already saved, then why would we need that shield? You know, the shield of faith is a shield of faith, right? Faith gives life, and faith protects that life. Amen? We began this life in Christ. And in order to begin this life in Christ, we had to begin in faith. Is that right? 
It's in the new birth. We were introduced to grace at the new birth. It tells us in Romans 5, 2, that you were introduced to this grace at the new birth. You know, an introduction means only the beginning. Isn't that right? So when you're introduced to somebody, that's the beginning. And it's possible that you can build a relationship because you've been introduced. Amen. So if there's an introduction to grace at the new birth and things are provided for us through grace, then it goes beyond the new birth. There's more to life than the new birth. Amen. So Romans 1.17, you know this verse, but let's go ahead and look at it. Romans 1.17. It says, for in it, which he's talking about the word of God, in the word of God, the righteousness is, of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith, okay? So it says the righteousness of God is revealed, all right? The righteousness of God is the right way of living. There is a right way of living, and there's obviously a wrong way of living. So the righteousness of God is God's right way of living and doing things the right way, okay? The way he's revealed it to us. The right way of being saved. There's a right way of being saved. You know, some people, and I've talked to people, you know, through the, they go, yeah, they're saved in their own way. Well, you don't have a way. You either got saved God's way or you didn't get saved. Isn't that right? And salvation is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not by trying to be good enough. It's not trying to be good to your neighbor, keep the golden rule. It's not about that, although you should. But it's about Jesus Christ, him crucified, his blood, his life that was given for us. And we receive him as the lamb that was slain for us uh, so that we could be washed in the blood and be cleansed of all of our sin. And that's what salvation is about. Isn't that right? So, you know, that was God's way of providing salvation for us. So there's a right way of being saved. There's a right way of being made righteous, and that is through salvation in Christ. So salvation is not about that God made you good. Salvation is about the fact that he treats you as though you've never sinned. That's what salvation is about. He treats you and looks at you like you have never sinned. A brand new creature in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. When you got born again, the Bible says that God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ. We became the righteousness of God, right? We didn't become the sanctified. We became the righteous, okay? We are to grow in sanctification. Sanctification is very simply the outward working of that which we become, that I start living like who I am. I am the righteousness of God, and therefore my life should line up with that. Amen? The Word of God reveals how this righteous life lives. For in the Word of God, the righteousness of God is revealed. So the Word reveals how this righteous life lives. It reveals God's character for us to live in. You know, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. It's very simply the character of God that's now in us. That was put in us at the new birth, right? So if that's who we are, 
That's God's character. So it's revealing to us how we ought to live. Love, joy, peace, endurance, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. That's how we ought to live. Amen. Amen. The word of God also reveals all that he wishes for us not only to be, but also to have. It reveals what he wants us to have. You, you know, sometimes we say things like, well, if it's God's will, we'll read the word of God. It tells you right in there. It's his will. It didn't say except your name, did it? So the promise is to you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It is revealed from faith to faith. Now, when you got saved, the Bible says you were saved by grace through faith. It is not of yourselves. It's not a matter of works. It is a gift. So what's the gift? Salvation, grace, and faith. It's all a gift. None of it is of ourselves. You know, we cannot boastfully step up and go, well, you know, I'll tell you what, I believe God. Well, you don't have nothing to believe if he didn't give you his word to believe. You have nothing to have manifested in your life if there isn't his power standing behind his word. So it's all a gift. Amen. So it is revealed from faith, the gift of faith, the gift of God giving faith to faith, which is our receiving faith. We're receiving what he's given it. The word was given, comes alive inside of us. We receive it. It's not of ourselves. It's all from God, you know, and and this is why, you know, you have to be careful because we know that the, the seed of the word goes into the soil. The soil produces of itself. Well, you didn't create that soil. You know, it's like that old story, the, 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 the old analogy where man comes to God and says, I can make a human being just like you can. And God's like, really? He says, yes, we can. We can clone people. We make them just like, just like you can make them. He says, you make somebody, we'll make somebody. So God bends down, gets into the dust and forms man. And man becomes alive. And God looks at man and goes, now it's your turn. And he bends down to get the dust. And God goes, no, get your own dust. In other words, you have nothing of your own. It's all been given to us by God. No matter how smart we think we are. Isn't that right? Amen. Get your own dust. (laughs) It is not of ourselves. We are to live by faith. That word live in the Greek, zeo, it means to spend your existence or to pass your life. You are to spend your existence and pass your life, your, your everyday existence, pass it by faith, living by faith. Amen. Now, in the word of God, the righteousness of God is revealed. You must be righteous before God when you pass out from this physical life into the next life and to step into God's eternity with him, you have to be righteous. And that's what God demands, isn't it? Well, if God requires it, he must provide it. Get your own dust. It's not get your own righteousness. That's what we thought we needed was our own self-righteousness, but that's not what it was. It's God's righteousness. So if, he's provi- if he is requiring righteousness, he must provide the righteousness. Amen? Okay. 
So if God's requiring that we, as the righteous, live by faith, then he has to provide that faith. Amen. It is up to us to freely receive what he has given. Just as he provided righteousness and said, you can receive this into your life through Jesus Christ. That was your choice. In the same way, he says, and here is my word, and in my word you can receive faith, but that is your choice. So we don't get faith from the word of God because, well, I'm smart enough to understand this and get a hold of it. No, that's not at all. It's because God provided the faith in his word. Amen. Hallelujah. Roman, you know, you don't have to turn there, but Romans 8.32 tells us that in Christ, he has freely given us all things. And in 2 Peter 1.3, he says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the true knowledge. That's the true knowledge, the revealed knowledge that, which comes alive in our heart. Faith receiving what God has provided. By grace are you saved, but it was through faith that received what God provided. He gave you the gift he gave you the opportunity to take hold of faith so you could take hold of his grace so you could receive his salvation and all of it he has provided it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's how much God loves us. Second Peter 1, 3 that was. That's how much he loves us. Amen. Where are we at? 17. Look back at 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel... Or the word of God, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. Say everyone. everyone. That covers every single person that has breath. Everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. All right. So the word of God is the power of God for salvation. So that salvation can become a reality in our life through the avenue of faith that you've received to yourself because it's one who believes to everyone who believes. So the believer is one that's received that faith to themselves and chose to believe. Amen. The word of God is the power of God for salvation. The Greek word soteria, which means deliverance, safety to be preserved, healing, prosperity, soundness, shalom, living in perfect peace, perfect harmony, nothing missing, nothing broken. That's what that word soteria means. Salvation. It is more than just, oh, when I die, I'm going to heaven. You know, but how, how do we live from the time we receive Jesus till we get to heaven? Depends on how much we receive from the word of God and receive from God. The power of God produces salvation and all aspects the power of God produces healing the power of God produces protection the power of God produces preservation the power of God produces healing the power of God produces soundness the power of God produces everything for salvation so the shield of faith then is a shield of power because faith is based on the more sure word of God you received your introduction at salvation, but you can grow in that as you live or pass on your life every day. You can grow. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Matthew 23 and verse 13. Glory to God. Aren't you glad? See, that's how much God loves you. He's provided every, every, everything for every, every, every aspect, for every, every, every bit of our life. He has left nothing to where we have to be stuck on our own. Never, 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 never have to be on your own. Hallelujah. And not only that, but this shows how much he wants to be involved in your life. He wants to be involved in your life more than you even want him to be involved in your life. Amen. Matthew 23, 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of God, uh, the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. All right. He calls the religious leaders hypocrites. Now, when Jesus grew up as a child, he grew up, we know, in the town of Nazareth. Nazareth was three miles from the city of Sepphoris. Sepphoris was where his mother uh, was raised, and that's where Jesus' grandparents lived. And in Sepphoris, uh, 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 Nazareth was like a little working town, but Sepphoris was a, a bigger place. And they had theaters in Sepphoris. And you would go to the theater performances there, and the actors, and you've seen them, all the Greek actors, they would wear masks, right? And they would wear those masks to pretend to be somebody else than what they were. And the name of the actors, they were called hypocrites. It was not a bad word. It was a hypocrite because hypocrite means to play a part other than who you really are. So in the play, I'm playing a part with a mask on, not really who I am. So hypocrites were great pretenders, okay? Kind of like Hollywood people. Great pretenders, only the mask has really come off, <laughs> you know, anyway. But, so they were hypocrites, that's what they were called. Well, Jesus called the religious leader hypocrites. Why? Because they were playing the part of godly men. But in reality, they were ungodly people putting on a great performance as pretenders. They knew all the right words to say. Oh, they could speak their lines. They learned their lines really good. And they could just speak it out and spew it out. And they got the line down. They got the talk down. But their heart's not in it. You could just say that the religious leaders spewed out a bunch of bewitching babble. A bunch of babble without believing. All the right words. They had their lines, just like the pretenders. You got your line. It's in the script. Just read your lines. And for the play, it was fine. But that's not who they were. And these religious leaders was putting on an act before the people and actually shutting off the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me? John 4, 23. All this is introduction. It says, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers 
will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers, the true worshipers in spirit and truth. These are not hypocrites. Spirit and truth, their heart and their words are together. They're not just opening their mouth, they're opening their heart. They're not just speaking words, it's their heart that's speaking out. And in worship, they're not just lifting up a song, they're lifting up their heart before the Lord. The true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. This is a lifestyle of spirit and truth, okay? It's the life of real faith that comes from the heart, a life of spirit and walking in truth, walking from out from your spirit, walking in truth of the word, walking by the Holy Spirit within, walking by the truth of the word. This is the lifestyle, spirit and truth, okay? How do you know it's a lifestyle? Because you can't come and worship the Father outside of your lifestyle. See, the time that we spend in worship is in order to get into that place to where our heart is open and it's actually the words we're singing is coming from our heart. But that's hard to do. And, and sometimes you can go a whole worship service and it never happens. Well, why? Because it's not lifestyle. We want to come in and within a half an hour, I used to, tell, I used to have people tell me this stuff like, well, I don't know, worship, you know, 20 minutes, you're in the spirit. You know, let's move on. And they're the ones that needed it. You know, because it's not an emotional feeling. It's your spirit operating out from your spirit, you know. Well, if you don't, now if you do that on a regular basis, then as soon as worship starts, you're already there. Because that's how you live. So it needs to be a lifestyle. Amen. True worship is worship in spirit and truth. All right. Walking in the truth of the word. Functioning out from our spirit being led by the Holy Spirit. This goes well beyond the new birth. Amen. Well beyond the new birth. So let's go to James chapter 2. And let's start talking about what we're going to talk about. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. There was enough there and just an introduction to meditate on. He says, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. All right, so let's go back to the first verse that we were at, uh, 14. If someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? Well, let's just think about the new birth, you know. And I've had people say this to me. Yeah, I know I should get saved. I know that I should, but not today, you know. Or, you know, I, I, I know, you know, I've heard about Jesus and all, but, you know, no, not now. 
Okay, so they just said they know about Jesus. They know they should be saved, but can that knowing save them? No, why? Because they're not acting on it, right? Very, very simple, very simple example, okay? So why is this so hard when it comes to our life? Why do we get so wrapped up in the mental realm trying to figure all this stuff out when it's so obvious I believe in Jesus, so I did what I believed. I acted on what I believed. That's not hard. And what happened? Immediate results. Well, how many times have you acted on the word and said, I'm believing the word, I'm believing the word, I'm acting on it, but things aren't happening. Well, you ain't believing. You think you are. I know you think you are, but you're not. And we're going to show that. Because you're stuck in the mental realm. You have gotten saved by grace and you've gone back into works again. And trying to work out and trying to work the process. You didn't get saved by works, but you're trying to work into all the promises. And that's what we want to kill. Thank you for your agreement. So again. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save? And don't have any preconceived ideas. Please don't jump ahead of me. This is a series that we're teaching. This is a teaching church. This is a series that we're teaching. And you need to hear the whole thing and meditate on the whole picture and put the pieces together so that you can understand. Don't take one thing and then run off someplace into crazy land and think, I'm going to figure all this out. You got one little piece. That's like buying a puzzle that's got a thousand pieces in it and go, I found the corner. I got it. I got it. (laughs) You got a corner. (laughs) It's got to get put together. Amen. So let's try it again. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works, can that faith save him? Let's go on again. Verse 15. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, 16, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warned to be filled, and yet you don't give them what's necessary for their body, what use is that? Okay, so he says, what use is it? What profit is it? What advantage is it? What benefit is it? Does it have any usefulness? See, faith that is real has an advantage. It is beneficial. It is useful. It is profitable. Now, we said in verse 15, if a man say. So he's just actually making a, not an analogy, but he's making a a supposition or a uh, hypothetical. This is just a hypothetical. If, if a man should say, if one of you should say, all right, the word say means to talk it. If a man says he has faith. Okay, and the word faith is the, is the uh, I'm sorry, the word has is the Greek word echo, which means to possess, embrace, and have a masterful grip on it. So he's painting a picture of somebody. They're talking a mile a minute about their great faith. They're talking, oh, I've done this. I, I believe this. I'll tell you what, blah, 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 on and on and on, just going down this road and talking about what their faith is. And the word faith actually means not something you know, memorized in your head. You don't have your lines down. 
But the word faith means to be fully persuaded. It's constant. It's unchanging. It's unfailing. It's unwavering belief or behavior. It is a rock-solid belief or one that is convinced to the core. They're like the rock of Prudential. <laughs> Remember the old Prudential rock commercial? And this goes for any area of life, spiritual, soulish, physical, financial, political, moral, law-keeping, whatever it might be, every area of our life. So if a man should say that he has faith, that is an advantage that's useful. So if he's talking it and he's saying, I have faith, I have possessed this, I embraced it, I have a masterful grip on this thing, and I'm totally fully persuaded of it. I am rock solid. I believe it and I'm convinced to the core. My conviction is steady, never changing. And that's where we should be. That we should be steady on faith until another truth is revealed to us that maybe moves us, tweaks us gets things in line for us. Are you with me? Faith in the New Testament describes a force that is moving forward. Why? Because the Word of God is the power of God. It's a force that moves forward. Real faith never stands still or remains inactive. Real faith always moves, always works to accomplish something. Something. Faith always has corresponding actions in any area of our life, spiritual, soulish, physical, financial, political, moral, whatever it might be. Always has corresponding actions. Faith without works. The word works means to act and to perform, and it's the object of employment. Remember when Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, every idle word that you speak that you'll be judged for? You know, that through the years has been taught like jesting, joking around, unless it has some type of spiritual connotation or, you know, you're speaking into eternity. You know, it's just useless, idle, idle jesting. What it really means, he said, Everything you said you'd believe and you don't do, you'll be judged for it. Everything you say you believe and you don't do it, you'll be judged for it. And this is why James said, so many of you are being teachers and you need to knock it off. Because you don't understand, you will incur a stricter judgment. Because if you think you're going to be judged for things you say and you don't do, What do you think about the things I say? I say a lot more than you say. I'm going to incur a stricter judgment. Not only for that, but whether what I teach you is right or not. Idle words. Idle means when your car is in idle, where's it going? Nowhere. Nowhere. And that's what faith without works is. They're going no place. They're unemployed. They're inactive. If a man says he has a masterful grip on faith, but he has no works, 
Real faith produces corresponding actions because your actions will be employed by your faith. Your faith is always looking to hire somebody. Amen. Now, here's some verses. You can just write these down. We're not going to go through them all. Romans 12, 3 says you've been given the measure of faith. Romans 1, 17 says you are to live by faith. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 through 7 says that you can abound in faith. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 says faith can enlarge in you. Hebrews eleven seven says it's only by faith that you can please God. I know. And 1 John 5, 4, I'll read them again. And 1 John 5, 4 says faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So, again, Romans 12, 3, the measure of faith. 1, 17, live by faith. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 through 7, faith can abound. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3. Faith can enlarge. Hebrews eleven seven, faith only, and only faith pleases God. Without it, you can't please God. So if faith pleases God, he must provide the faith so you can be pleasing to God. And 1 John 5, 4 says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith like an arrow or a bullet, carries great force and is aimed at a specific direction. You know, if you put a AK-47 in the hand of a kid that's in diapers and it's fully loaded, what's the first thing you should do? Run. Because <laughs> that kid don't know what to do. Isn't that right? He's going to be shooting all over the place. But that's what a lot of people do with their faith. They just take something and just shooting it all over the place, hoping it hits something. But yet it's designed to hit a specific target. And many Christians are not specific in their faith. And you've got to target your faith like you're shooting a gun or shooting an arrow. You have to target it and shoot in that specific direction. And whenever the arrow or the bullet hits the target, there is a noticeable difference on that target. Isn't that right? It makes a, <laughs> makes a lasting impact. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. So, faith to faith. Faith to faith. I receive. Uh, faith is given. Faith is received. Faith is given. Faith is received. Faith is given. Faith is received. Am I waiting for God to give me faith? No. He's given me his word yeah. so that I can put that word into my soil. And then that soil of my spirit produces by itself. And I can receive that. Okay? So faith is given. Faith is received. Faith to faith. That's how we continually move along. For most of us, I'm just going to say for most of us, the first time we heard about Jesus, we didn't fall to the ground in repentance. You know, a man witnessed, and I've told you this before, a man witnessed to me at 19 years old. He'd come into my room. I'd be totally out of my mind. And he would come in, and, and I'd let him come in, and he'd talk to me, and, and I'd listen to him. You know, 
And he'd come back again the next week or whatever. And, you know, hey, can I come in? Sure, come on in. It's fine. Have a seat, you know, and talk. And he never did ask me to receive Jesus. Now, you might say, well, you know, he didn't close the deal. He should have closed the deal. Well, there was no deal to close, son. There was no deal to close. Because if he would have, all he had to do was say, you need Jesus in your life. He'd have been out the door and he would not have come back again. I wouldn't allow him to come back again. All he had to do is say, you need to do this or whatever. We're done. You are finished. I'm done with you. Because there was no deal to close. I wasn't in a position to say yes. You understand? So then at 30 years old, where I'm working at, a man starts to work there. And he starts witnessing to me and starts sharing with me about the word of God. And I would sit with him. I was so interested in what he said. I would sit with him for an hour a day. We'd have an hour lunch, and I'd sit with him for an hour and just let him talk to me and stuff. And yet he never asked me if I wanted to get saved. Why? Because there was no deal to close. Once he would have said that, I'd have said, we're done. It's the way I was. And you know what? God knew the way I was. And God's not going to let them try to close a deal on me that's going to shut me down. I came to the point to where the Holy Spirit closed the deal. You understand? See, I had to come to my own senses. They were sharing with me, and I was interested in what they were saying. But I hadn't come to my senses. I was still the same old dog I always was. And I was not ready or willing to change anything. But I liked talking to them. But if you pushed, we're done. So I had to come to my own senses. And when I finally did come to my senses, the Holy Spirit closed the deal. And I was introduced at that time into grace. Amen. And God saved me from who I was. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, I know you're happy. So measure of faith. Got saved, but then grow in faith and increase down that road, enlarging, abounding more and more, and increasing, going down that road to where you're living an overcoming life. It doesn't happen overnight. It's growth. And it's not just growth in faith and what I want. It's character. You got to grow in character because character gives power to the word of God in you. Amen. God wor God's word always has an end goal in mind, you know, that you would know the hope of his calling. The, the word of God is calling you to something. You know, it can be calling you to health, can be calling you to abundance. It can be calling you to peace. It can be calling you to uh, uh, prosperity. It can be calling you to uh, uh, a repaired uh, relationship. It, it, it's calling you to being free from anxiety and fear. It's calling you to something. It's always calling you. He has a hope in that calling. You understand? Okay. And he speaks the ending from the beginning. So he's got a hope, but then there's an ending. And he speaks that ending from the very beginning. Just because you're not at your end does not mean you're not in faith. It's faith to faith, faith to faith, faith to faith. Why do Christians get so 
disappointed, discouraged, and upset when I can't seem to get what I want. Of course, you're shooting all over the place and you're not specific. And most of the time, you can't even see the target that you're shooting at. Because you're looking all the way down the road trying to shoot at something and you're tripping over something right in front of you. See, we're talking about pinpointing your faith, pinpointing your life. Faith to faith, step by step, obedience by obedience, line upon line. Step in faith, taking a step in faith to get down the path. A lot of people don't want to step in faith to get to the path. I just want that. And it don't happen. Why? Well, your faith isn't at that yet. You haven't even handled this. So just because you're not at that doesn't mean you don't have faith. You have faith to take care of this. And if you take care of this, you'll have faith for this. And when you take care of this, you'll take you'll have faith for this. And when you take care of it, and what happens step by step? What happens step by step? <gasps> you wind up at the goal. Over there, you are so darn frustrated over it. Because you're trying to fly by faith. And you're supposed to walk. We don't want to walk. I just want, I want, I want. Got to have it, got to have it. I'm going, I'm getting it, I'm getting it, I'm getting it. I just want to jump to it, fly to it. Just let it fall on me. If it does, it'll kill you. Not designed to fall on you. It's designed for you to take hold of it. But you got to get to it. Are you with me? It's stepping in faith as you go down the path. This is not about a ritual or an order of regulations. Getting every, I get my, all my ducks in order. And I get it, you know, checking all the boxes off. Yeah, I, I prayed about it. Check that off. Yeah, I've been confessing the word three times a, a day. Uh, check that off. I found what I needed in the concordance. Check that off. It's not about checking the boxes. If you're checking the boxes, you're renewing your mind. That's where you check the boxes. You're renewing the mind, but you're not in faith yet. And you need to know the difference because it's frustrating you. Renewing is the pathway to get into faith so that you can live out of your heart instead of living out of your mind. Living out of your reasonings. You got to live out of your spirit. Put the right things in and meditate on it you get the right things coming out in Revelation. And that's for all situations, all conditions of life, spiritually, soulishly, physically, financially, socially, uh, whatever it might be. And you know, all situations, they're not all the same. Even if they look the same, they're not the same. This is why faith has to be alive in every situation. It might look the same, but it's not the same. Just because it looks the same out here doesn't mean the spiritual forces behind it is the same. It might be different. Faith has to be alive in each situation. Amen. James chapter 2. Where are we at anyway? James. Where were we at? Yeah, James 2. Okay, 15 and 16. 
Let's read 15 and 16. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warned to be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? All right, he starts off by saying a brother and sister or sister. So he's talking about brother and sister in Christ. He's not talking about the brotherhood of humanity. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, as a local church, we look to be a help to our local congregation. We've, you know, we've given aid. We don't do it to the total body. Well, you know, they're a believer. Well, are they here? No. We're not here to support everybody. You understand? You say, well, why not? Well, as soon as you give us a million dollars, I mean, it may help out and we can help more people. But you understand what I'm saying? Everybody has a limited amount of resources and you can't help everybody. So you have to decide who it is within your sphere that you're going to be helpful to. Amen. We don't help those too much that come in off the street with claims. They come in with claims. You know, well, I'm a believer too. <laughs> you, know, you don't go to church here. I had a guy come to one time and he, he, uh, he, he, he drove up just as we were leaving church we, years ago. I think it was down on 41, the old A&P building. And he drives up after church wanting to get some money. I said, no, no, we don't. Just like you churches, you never give away anything. Well, how much you put into the church, son? Why don't you go to the bank? Well, the bank won't give me money. Well, we, we ain't giving you money either. And to a lot of Christians, that sounds so mean. Well, send the wise men this way with about 40 million of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And let's see what we can do. You can only give within your... Would you sell your house to help somebody out? You'd barely do that to help your family out. <laughs> so don't even point to the church. You wouldn't do it. Amen. I used to, when I had my auto repair shop, I would have people come into the shop. They'd walk up to the counter. First thing they'd say is, I'm a Christian too. Because the name of the business was Sunshine Car Care, S-O-N, Sunshine. So they walk in, walk up to the counter and go, I'm a Christian too. And I do this, two steps back. Because once you say that, I know you want something. You know, some of the Christians' favorite four-letter word is free. Not, I believe God for a supply. No, it's free. That's what, they, that's what they want. All right. So a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food. Now, where it says they, the word is, is without clothing. The word is, is present continuous tense, which means they're continually existing in a particular state. Continuous, desperate, physical state. And this is somebody where you know their condition. This isn't somebody sent you an email. This isn't somebody called you on the phone. This is somebody you know their condition. They're in need of daily food. They're continually lacking. And it's not like by the end of the day they don't have anything. They start the day off totally deficient. 
They're in the need of daily food, which describes what is needed for life and for nourishment. This is not somebody that don't have enough to have dessert. This is not somebody that don't have a little extra to have some frills. This is, somebody that, this is not somebody that just can't seem to afford to go on vacation. This is somebody that's not getting by at all. We've had people call us up when we used to have a food pantry. And they'd call us up and they'd say, do you have a food pantry? We'd say, yes, we have all kinds of canned foods that you can come and get. Do you have any steak? No, I don't have any steak. Okay, thanks. And they'd hang up and they'd never come for the canned food. They're not in need. But this is what you get out here. You get this all the time from people. You know, and I have to work at not being cynical. I really have to work. I mean, after being down on 41, that's, you know, I mean, we had a flood of people coming through all the time. A bunch of phonies that, you know, oh, I need this, I need that, you know, and you, you, you give it to them and they just take it to go sell it to get drugs. So when he's talking about these folks, he's talking about those that are lacking the basic necessities for daily existence and are really in trouble. And you know, you have absolute firsthand knowledge. You didn't just run across them. You know them. Verse 16, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled. And yet you don't give them what's necessary for their body. What use is that okay so you see their condition you see how deficient they are they have absolutely no food clothing is is awful you know if it gets t five degrees colder they're going to freeze i mean it's just not good but you tell them oh listen everything's just going to be okay jesus loves you huh that's what he says when he says go in peace just relaxed be filled and be warmed. Well, how? They got no food. They got no clothes. How are they going to be filled and how are they going to be warmed? Now, in order to do this, you got to have something yourself. Right? Now, when I say something yourself, I'm not talking about an extra hundred grand in the bank. Okay? Because we're not talking about taking care of their whole life. We're talking about the need at the moment. Something to help them out today. It doesn't mean they're going to come back tomorrow, but something to help them with today. And, you know, you got to, again, you got to watch out for the phonies. Um, remember that time that guy drove up in the church and, and came to Pastor Morgan? He's in his car. He wanted some money for gas. So Pastor Morgan says, here's $10. There's a gas station right across the street. Go get gas. Bring me the receipt. The guy goes, okay, fine. Pastor Morgan gives him the $10, gets in the car, drives out of the parking lot, and waves goodbye as he goes on down the road. Yeah. So, you're not talking about taking care of these people for their whole I don't have enough to take care of today. You have enough to buy them a meal. Can you get them something to drink? Can you take them to Goodwill and get them a pair of sneakers? You understand what I'm saying? 
James is calling out these believers that they actually have the resources and the ability to help, but they only offer placating lip service. Oh, be warned, be here. Yeah, yeah. He says, so he's basically saying to these people, you see the situation and shockingly, you don't help them out. Amen. And again, it's not their whole life. It's just like right now. Do you remember the account that we told? I think we talked about this at the beginning of last year about real trust and faith that will always give generously. And we gave the example of Hudson Taylor, the groundbreaking missionary to the interior regions of China in the second half of the 19th century. He experienced this principle early in his life. As a young man, he preached in the boarding houses in the poor slums of London. And a poor man asked Taylor to come back to his room and pray for his wife who suffered complications from childbirth and was near death. And the man had no money at all. He couldn't afford to pay a priest to come and perform last rites. He expected his wife to die. And Taylor went to the man's room and he found the heartbreaking situation, which was something very obvious. There were several children there, the afflicted mother, a three-day-old baby living in absolute filth and squalor with absolutely no food or money. Taylor knew that he had a $20 coin in his pocket that would meet all their needs, but it was all the money in the world that he had himself. And he began to speak to the family about God when the Lord spoke to his own heart and said, you hypocrite. You're telling these unconverted people about a kind and loving Father in heaven, and you're not prepared yourself to trust this God without your $20. Taylor wished he had two $10 coins. If I had two $10 coins, he said, I would gladly give them one. Well, who couldn't do that? But all he had was one $20 coin. He was taken aback from what the Lord said to him. But he decided to lead the family in the Lord's Prayer. And as soon as he said the words, Our Father, the Lord convicted him of his hypocrisy again. And he struggled through the whole prayer under tremendous conviction. And then he gave the Father the $20 piece, which was he acted. And that provision saved the life of the mother and rescued the family. And the lesson is plain. God knowing, uh, knowing God provides provides for you should make you more generous instead of less generous now i'm not telling you to go empty out your bank account and give all your money away notice the the example the lord said that's the difference okay that was the lord said spoke to his heart this was not a oh i feel so bad for these people no this was the lord said so always remember that okay but always be open to hear. Don't go, I, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> well, if you believe you can't outgive God, you will want to hear that. Yeah. Right? Amen. Yeah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 17. We'll end up here. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. Real faith has corresponding actions. James gave the example of helping others. Taylor's life 
was a real life situation of the working of the word of God. That God speaks, the word speaks, the Holy Spirit speaks. And in any of those avenues, faith can come to us. And we have the opportunity then to receive that faith and then act with corresponding actions. See, when the Lord speaks to you, remember I said about the step, the step. You know, when faith comes alive to take that step, then you take that step. Because if you remember when we first started the year out, we talked about being positioned in faith. And also to obey without hesitation. So if faith comes to me at that point, and I give myself to that faith, and I act on that faith, that's taking a step. Okay, have I ever taken that step before? No. So it's not going to be like it was before. Something's going to change. It may not be easy. You know, just because something's not easy doesn't mean it's not God. That's the other four later word that Christians like easy. (laughs) You know, who was it that said it? Was it Thomas Edison? He said most people miss opportunities because it comes dressed in coveralls and looks like work. (laughs) the guy that owned holiday inn okay whoever said it it sure goes a long way means a lot so god speaks to us the word speaks to us the holy spirit speaks to us that's faith coming to us when that faith comes i have an opportunity now to receive that faith to myself from faith as a gift to faith that receives So I have an opportunity to receive that faith, and now I can take that step, okay? If I do it without hesitation, see, I'm positioning myself for suddenly. Amen. See, a lot of people want to sit and wait. As soon as suddenly happens, I'll move. You'll never get there. First of all, you're not the baby Christian, even that they were on the day of Pentecost. Second of all, you're not an unconverted person. You are a mature child of God. So what what works for the unconverted and what works for the baby is not going to work for you because you know better. And God expects that we grow. Amen. Amen. Our life is more than Christian cliches and a mouthful of good wishes. That's all those believers had that James spoke about. And that's what the religious leaders of Jesus' day had. Hudson Taylor needed a shield of the power of faith to be empowered beyond his reasoning and his emotional attachment to his money. The more you are emotionally attached to something, the harder it is to obey God. Years, several years ago, when the Lord started to deal with us about it's get ready to sell the house. I did not want to sell my house. I had, by that time, I had lived in the house for like 42 years. I did not want to sell that house. My kids were raised in that house. Some of my grandkids were raised in that house. We've had a lot of family gatherings. We used to have the church office in the house. We had church fellowships in the house. We had church Christmas parties in the house. Everything was done in that house. We had open house every year where people would come in. Oh, the decorations. We decorate for Christmas. What great fun it was. Besides that, we remodeled the whole house. We, we doubled the size of the house. And we put a lot into the house. It was our house. 
You know, I mean, it was really my house. This is, you know, we put so much into it. I didn't want to leave. I was very emotionally attached to it. And there were times that I would get up at four o'clock in the morning and I'd go sit in my chair and I would pray and I would look around at the house and I would think about when we worked on that and I would think about when we built that and I would just think about all these things and I'd say, oh, there's so many memories here. And that would happen for a while. And yet I knew it was time that we were going to have to sell the house. And this went on for at least a year. And then it got to the point to where I would look around at the house and I would think about the memories. And I think about the family gatherings all around the dining room table. And I think about everybody laughing. And all the times that we had the church fellowships and everything that happened. And I stepped back from it for a minute and I said, Lord, thank you for the memories. I'll never lose the memories. I said, thank you so much that I can walk out of the house and still take all the memories with me. Because that's what the house was about, the memories. And I dealt with that emotional attachment. And when we broke the emotional attachment, that's when the Lord said, now put it up for sale. And then it sold quickly. So we didn't decide to sell it, or the Lord didn't actually talk to us about selling it when the market started booming. He talked to us about it a while ago. He showed you things to come. And he started telling us about get ready to sell the house. So I had to get myself emotionally prepared and get in the right place to be able to do that. See, a lot of times we think, well, I'm just going to. Not when you're emotionally attached, you don't. You've got to deal with those things long before you can actually do that. And you've got to deal with that emotion and break that attachment and move into a place of faith. Amen. Glory to God. See, faith will create divinely directed actions that makes all the difference. Faith is a force, the power of God, always moving forward. Never stands still, never remains active. It's always moving and works to accomplish something. Works to accomplish something. And the something it accomplishes is what's going to bring you closer to progress to that point of success. Every step is a point of success, but you're getting closer to the end goal. See, faith is always moving you someplace. Always looking to go ahead. Positioned in faith. And when the time is right, position yourself in faith. And when the time is right, when faith becomes real, you will act without hesitation and you'll be positioned for suddenly. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lift your hands to the Lord. If you're on live stream podcast, lift your hands to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I receive that. 
I receive that right now in the name of Jesus. I take that to myself. Lord, you have given faith through your word, and I receive it in the name of Jesus. I receive that faith and add faith to what I hear. Oh, I'll take these things and meditate on them. Get my mind renewed to it so that I will walk righteously in the way that you have declared and the way that you have stated and in what you have laid out in your word, Lord. I will walk in these things and my life will be righteous. And I'll walk in this, in this, in this whole process of what you've declared. That it'll become a part of me. It'll get into my heart. That'll become my way of living. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're continually moving us into a place to where suddenly can take place in our lives. Oh, Father, I thank you. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, just like blind Bartimaeus, Father, moving into a position. The woman, the Syrophoenician woman, moving into position. The centurion, moving into position. Jairus, moving into position. Thank you, Lord. We're moving into position for suddenly to take place in our life. We declare it today. We thank you for it, Father, with a heart of gratitude. Thankful for suddenlies that will take place in our life. We see the ending from the beginning and we call those things that be not today as though they were. And they will be because you've declared it and we agree with what you said. Thank you for that, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we bless you. We honor you, Lord. We give you all the praise, all the adoration. Father, I thank you that you're not a man that you would lie but every word of yours is purest of truth. I thank you, Father, that you said there's one that gives and yet increases all the more. So, Father, for every giver tonight, in this room, on live stream, or on podcast, Father, for every giver, I speak your word over them that they'll increase all the more. Father, whether they're given the offering, whether they're given in, in free will offering, however, Father, that giving will produce a return that they will increase all the more. All the more means all the more than what they gave. That they will receive back even more than that which they sow. Father, I thank you for it. Bless you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody declare it. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Again, if you joined us on live stream or podcast, thanks for being with us tonight. I do pray the word of God has really brought revelation into your heart and imparted things into you to cause you to step up a notch in your believing and receiving from the Lord. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net and click on the giving link. I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And if there's anything at all that we can pray with you about, please let us know. It is always our honor to stand with you and believe God for your greatest needs to be met. Amen.